You're listening to Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel, Las Vegas. This is where real faith meets real change. Be sure to listen to us through Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Follow us on your favorite service to get instant notifications when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also check us out on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, PraiseChapelLasVegas.com to find out more about what PCLV is all about. With that being said, listen up, because here comes the word. That he never stops. He never stops. You know, last week our pastor presented us with our new banner for this year. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. And God is going to teach us this year a lot more than, than we've imagined. What we've seen last year was being a voice. Being a voice is how God has used each and every one of us to be that voice, to be that voice for those that are around us, for our family, our friends, our, our schools, our coworkers. Amen? Before we start today, I'd like to just start in prayer. Amen? Father God, we just come before you in Jesus' mighty name, Lord. Give you all the praise and all the glory, Father God. Lord God, that you would open up our ears to hear and our eyes to see, Lord God. Help us to understand what you have for our lives and our walk with you, Father God. Lord God, as you guide us and direct us, Lord God, as we put our trust in you, Lord God, we, Lord God, continue to grow in our faith and understanding of your word. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. You know, a lot of us... We face things every day in our lives. We face turmoils. We face decisions. We have things that we're going through that that um, we're uncertain about. But yet, God has a way of bringing clarity to all those situations that we're in. And today, I titled the message, What is Your Circumstance? What, what are you going through? What are you facing? What kind of troubles are you facing? What kind of physical abilities are you facing? What kind of financial burdens are you going through? It doesn't matter what it is. Whatever the circumstance is, God wants to show you how to overcome it. All right? And a lot of it has to do with our theme, our banner, our vision for this year of being still. You know, I look at at, at a life of uh, of our 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 brother David, Amen. And um, we look at at a place where he was at in his life. He's here. He's hiding in a cave. You can imagine that. Here 
He's a man that God has chosen, that God has pulled out from a, a lifestyle of being a shepherd. And here now, he, he's a warrior, a mighty man of God. But yet we see in his circumstance that he's hiding in a cave in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 24. And he's hiding in this cave because Saul, the king, has one goal, to take him out. How many of us have placed ourselves in life and found out that somebody's out to get us? But the thing is, is that there's only one person that's really, really out to get you, and that's the devil. And he's real. And he's, he's not going to stop until he takes you out. And so he'll use people around us to try to take us out. And the one that was trying to take David out was King Saul. And, and here we read out of 1 Samuel 24, And Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines. And he was told that David is in the desert of en So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. And he came to the sheep pens along the way. And a cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. But David and his man were far back in the cave. And the man said, This is the day that the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands and to deal with him as you wish. Then David crept unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscience-stricken of having cut off the corner of his robe, and he said to his man, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is anointed of the Lord. And these words, David sharply rebuked his man and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left that cave and went on his way. Amen. We look at the opportunity that David had to take out Saul but he wouldn't do it. And not only that, he told his man, this is not the right thing to do. This is God's anointed. God has anointed this man. And just because he wasn't in the right standing with the Lord, he was still the anointed of God. He would not touch him because he had to realize that this is the man of God regardless of what I think or what I'm going to do. Amen. And this man said, well, you got all the right to take him out. All the right. But he would not pursue that. He would not touch him because of the consequences. Because, you know, he was in a place, in a circumstance in his life, but yet he had to realize the consequences of my choice. A lot of times we make choices in life, but the consequences are going to be far greater than what we've done in the long run. So here, David realized that, okay, God is God, and I'm just man. I could take the kingdom that God has given me right now. A lot of times we want to jump ahead and do things on our own because we think we're going to get it a lot quicker and we find out the consequences are a lot stronger later on in life. But we have to realize that God is still in control. We can't, we can't be doing things our way. We can't be pursuing 
life the way we want to pursue it. Amen? See, God is wanting us to surrender to him. We have to have a surrendered heart. And one thing that God realized about David is David had a heart after God. But one thing that David understood is he had to surrender to God's will and not my will. We can't do our will in order to get ahead in life. That's why most of us are here today, because we did it our way before in the past. But God had to come to our rescue. We had to come to God, and we had to realize that if it wasn't for the Lord God Almighty that sprung us up out of our troubles, out of our turmoils, out of our indifferences, out of our pain, out of our sorrow, we would still be in the same boat that we were in in the first place. But here, God wants to show us how to overcome these obstacles in our life. He wants to show us how these circumstances can be controlled, how they can be different than what we want to try to do and how we want to try to get ourselves out of it. We can't do it on our own. God is wanting us to show us how we're going to do it with his help. How are we going to reach out to God? How is he going to show me how I'm going to get out of this situation? How am I going to know how to improve my life and my walk and with the Lord God if I keep trying to do things my way? I had to realize that my way never worked. Everything that I tried to do never worked. When I tried to get out of the drugs and alcohol, it didn't work. When I said, I'm going to quit, it didn't work. I ended up going back to doing the same old thing and to returning to my own vomit. But God is going to show us how to get delivered. Amen? We have to make the right decisions. And the thing is, is that the only way we're going to make right decisions is we have to know who to go to. See, we always go to people that we want to hear it from. We want to hear Oh, the easy way out of my situation. The easy way out of my circumstance. Amen? But God's going to show us how to do it his way. Amen? Here we look at, at Peter. Now, Peter is an, a man of God. Amen? He's a man that's doing God's will. He's a man that's now locked up in prison. He's between two guards. He's in chains. And he's going to be taken to trial the following day. But now we're going to look at the book of Acts, chapter 12, verse 5 through 17. And here, Peter's kept in prison. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. That night, Harold was to bring him to trial. The, that night before Harold was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between the soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood at guard at the entrance. Suddenly, the angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone on this, his cell. He struck Peter on the side, woke him up, quick. Get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter. Isn't that amazing? The chains just fell off. The guards are still asleep. They didn't, they're not even knowing what's going on. Amen? The angel told him, put on your clothes, your sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And the angel told him, Peter followed him out of the prison, 
but he had no idea that the angel was doing it, was really happening. He thought he was just seeing a vision. They passed the first and the second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened by itself, and they went through it. And when they walked the length of the street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel to rescue me out of Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. Verse 12, And when he drawn himself, when he came, when he had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where people were gathered and were praying. Peter knocked on the entrance, and the servant named Rhoda came and answered the door, and she recognized his voice. And she was overjoyed. She ran back without opening the door and explained, Peter is at the door. She's telling, they're having a prayer meeting. They're praying for Peter, and she goes and tells them that he's at the door, and they don't believe her. She says, you're crazy. You're insane. You gotta, that's got to be the angel, Peter's angel. No, she said, and then Peter's still knocking on the door. And they open up the door, and here's Peter. And Peter explained to him how the Lord had delivered him out of chains. He walked out of that prison. The guards are all asleep, and he's out on the prison, out in the street, out. And he, he comes to his senses. How many of us have been locked up? How many of us have been in chains and in bondage? And yet, here the Lord pulls us out of our situation, out of our circumstances, and sets us free, and we still want to go back to it? They're, they're in an uproar. They're excited. They're, they're ec ecstatic about what is taking place and what is happening. And Peter's trying to calm them down, calm them down. Because he don't want the neighborhood to hear of what had happened. But you know, when God does something in our lives, there's no reason why we can't shout and be thankful. You know, he, he, he says about being still, but you know something? God says that, that we need to praise him and thank him for what he's doing in our lives. But a lot of times we come to church and we're, we're, we're quiet. We're afraid that somebody might hear me. You know, I don't want anybody to know I'm excited about what God is doing in my life. Oh, but we'll go to a game today. Right? And it's amazing how loud we'll get and we'll be rooting and shouting for our team. Why can't we do that for the Lord? You know what? Why is it we have such a hard time of coming to church and praising God and worshiping the Lord and giving Him thanks for everything He's done in our lives, but yet we'll go to a game and we'll get crazy? Life, we might think it's short, but we've all been there somewhere, somehow, some way. But you know something? We get back to Peter again. And here in Matthew 14, verse 22, 
And immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into a boat and go ahead of him on the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, after he had dismissed them, he went onto the mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone, and a boat already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because of the wind was against it. And shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Verse 28, the Lord, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water. He walked on the water. He came toward Jesus, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And he, beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. It's amazing. Here he's already walking on the water. He's focusing on the Lord. He's got his eyes on Jesus. And yet now his circumstance overcomes him. That's like our lives. Our circumstances overcome us and it it just takes over. It takes control. You ever been to the beach, the ocean, and you're walking along the shoreline and you see the waves breaking and it's very shallow. But once you start to step in one foot at a time and go a little deeper, next thing you know, you're at your knees. Next thing you know, you're at your waist. Next thing you know, you can't even touch the ground. That ocean will overcome you. It's just like our circumstances. They'll overcome us. Just like life, it'll overcome us if we allow it to. But see, here Peter was focusing on the Lord, and all of a sudden, the circumstance overtook him. It's just like our walk in life. We allow our circumstances to overtake us, and and the next thing you know, we keep our eyes off the Lord. We keep our eyes off the prize. We keep our eyes off the finish line, the goal that God has for us, and we're focusing on the problem instead of on Jesus. The Lord wants to show us that we need to get back to him, get back to where he's brought us, get back to the fact that he's the one that's going to help us through our situation. The main thing that you've noticed here is he talks about being able to pray. People were praying. People were praying for Peter while he was in prison. Jesus went off while he sent his disciples off on a boat. Here he's out on the mountainside praying. He always sets an example for us. Our prayer, our prayer life is very important. How we come to the Lord is very important. We think that, well, I don't have to pray. I don't have to have fellowship with God. I I don't know about you, but when I first got saved, I think that the Lord wants us to realize that when we first get saved, we need to go back to that first love. Because When we go back to that first love and how God first touched us, and we surrender to him, we gave our whole lives completely to him without any questions. We came to him. Why? Because of what we were going through, what we were facing, all the turmoil that we were going through in life. 
we finally said, okay, God, I give up. I give up. That's a surrendered heart. God is wanting us to give up what we have in this world so we can have what he has for us in his kingdom. One year, a brother asked me, what do you, what do you expect from where you're at right here, right now? I said, to pray the kingdom of God down where I'm at. See, we're allowing the world to surround us, but we're not allowing the kingdom of God to be in us. See, God wants us to have more of Him in our life, in our walk with Him, but we're going around stumbling and falling all the time because we're not really getting into the Word of God. We're not really getting in touch with God We're walking through life, but we don't even know where we're going. We're still blind. We still can't hear because we're not opening up to his word. He, when we got saved, my brother here, he knows. 35 years ago is when I met him in California. But the thing is that discipleship is so important in our walk with God. See, it's not about just coming to church once in a while. Oh, when I can make it, or when I feel like it. God taught us something. Read, pray, study, show yourself approved, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. This is something that was imparted in us back in the day when when, when revival was still burning in hearts. Where's the fire in our lives? Where's the Lord moving in our lives and our walk today if we're no longer calling upon Him, if we're no longer walking with Him, if we're no longer talking with Him, if we're no longer sitting down and breaking bread with Him? Yesterday, me and my wife, and, and we sat down for hours in fellowship, and it was good because, you know something, that's what we need. Fellowship with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. But what the problem is, we don't want to make the time anymore. We're too busy. Oh, but we'll go to a game. I'm sorry I have to say that. I know it's a Super Bowl Sunday, but, but it's amazing how we'll go to a game and we'll, we'll spend hours and hours of time, and that we have no problem with. But when it comes to fellowshipping with God's people, we don't have time anymore. They broke bread in the book of Acts. They said they broke bread daily from house to house. They sat down and they had prayer meetings. They sat down and they studied the word of God. They sat down and they called upon the Lord God Almighty. Lord, come down and help me in my situation. Come down and help me in my circumstance. Come down and do something in my life. Come down and change my heart. Come down and change my life, Lord. When we got saved, that's what we asked the Lord to do, but now we don't even want to call upon God anymore. God is an awesome God. And everything in the past few days, even up until the time the pastor said, okay, you're going to preach today. And God just keeps showing me things and showing me things and showing me things and 
and confirmation after confirmation and confirmation about what he wants to do, what words he wants to say, what he's going to do. And, and I'm, I'm up here and I'm thinking, how am I going to present the word of God to a people? These are God's people. How am I going to be a vessel being used of God if I don't even study his word? If I don't know how to walk on water. Our pastor one year, he shared how he tried to walk on water. And it was so funny because he's, he, he, he didn't do it. But the thing is, is that he had a good message, a good point about it. This is God says, I didn't call you to walk on water. I called Peter to walk on water. But you know, our relationship needs to build daily. Our walk with God needs to be built daily. It's not whenever I feel like it. I, I carried a, a pocket New Testament with me when I first got saved. And every moment, every chance that I could, I was reading. I was reading. And you know something? I still read every day. Every morning I have to get up and I have to read his word. And every day that I read his word, he shows me something new, something different all the time. It could be something I read over and over and over and over and over, and there's still something new. God is not going to change. Only we change how we want to be with him. Amen? There, the first thing we have to realize is that we have to have that surrendered heart with God. Because without that, when we first get saved, it's an experience that you can never change. The thing is, is that God wants you to keep that same love that you got from him that first time and to carry that with you daily. He says you need to deny yourself daily and pick up your cross and follow him. Amen. So we need to have is that relationship with the Lord daily. He says we need to study to show ourselves approved daily. We need to know that he is God and he is the, the builder and maker. He is the foundation that, that we are made out of. But if you build your foundation upon the wrong soil, upon rock that is not stable, upon a foundation that's not stable, if you're building your foundation upon worldly things that are out there, it's not going to last. It's not going to be forever. But the kingdom of God is forever. The foundation that you build upon Jesus Christ is forever. It's not going to slip. It's not going to slide. It's going to be there. But we, we stumble, we fall, we can't make it, we don't get up, we don't call upon anybody, we don't let our pastor know, we don't let our leadership know, we don't go to Bible studies anymore. It's just, it's just the way people are today. We, we need to, to get motivated. You have to motivate yourselves. I can't do it for you. Pastor can't do it for you. 
we have prayer here in the mornings on Sundays, but you have to be the one that comes in. But like yesterday, my brother says, oh, gee, I showed up here and there's nobody here for prayer. But he showed up because he's from out of town. But guess what? We stayed home and we prayed. We stayed home and we made time because that's what we need to do. How are we going to have a, a, a victory in our lives and conquer the things that are going on in our lives if we don't keep in touch with God? We have a, a brother in the hospital, but he needs prayer. His wife needs prayer because we want to see God move in that situation, in that circumstance. We want to see healing take place. How many here are here are brokenhearted? How many here have been going through things, but yet you haven't called upon anybody? See, that's what God is doing in his house, is he's trying to get you to realize that he's here to help you, not to destroy you. The enemy's trying to destroy you. The enemy's trying to take away your life. The enemy's trying to take away your joy. The enemy's trying to take away your peace. The enemy's trying to bring sickness upon you. But what are we doing? Well, okay. Maybe I'll get up. We don't even have coffee with God. I enjoy in the mornings I have my coffee. I enjoy being able to read the word and have him speak to me. I enjoy the fact that, you know, that God speaks to you. The reason why he can speak to you because of something that you have inside of you. you got to have more of his word inside of you. You need to know the word of God and it's in your heart. And the only way the Holy Spirit is going to be able to move in your situation, in your life, and speak to you is there's got to be something inside of you. And if you don't have anything inside of you, then you're empty. Your oil is ran down. You don't have it inside of you. Your vessel is low. But God wants you to keep it full all the time. But no, we'd let it keep going down, 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 down. Well, maybe I'll get up. Nope, by the time you get so low that you don't even want to pick it up anymore. You don't even want to go to church anymore. You don't want to get fed anymore. But God has a way of dealing with us. He has a way of getting a hold of us. He has a way of touching us. But guess what? If you don't make a move, if you don't respond, it's not going to happen. He said, faith, faith without works is dead. See, we have to understand that in the book of James, chapter 2, verse 20 says, But will thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seeing now how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. See, God asked Abraham, sacrifice your son. How many of us would actually go and sacrifice our son? But he had such a relationship with the Lord that he knew that he had to be obedient. 
And he went to that place that God chose him to go to. He had the fire. He had the wood. But the son, the son says to Abraham, his father, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham, all he could say is God will provide. But here he laid him out, and he was ready to take his life. And the angel spoke to him, do not touch him, do not harm him. And because of his obedience, God did provide. God did provide. God will provide a way out of any circumstance, any situation that we face in life. But we have to call upon him. We have to be obedient to hear what he has to tell us. If we're not hearing and we're not letting God direct our ways in life, then we're just stumbling and falling in the same order that we always did in the past. Amen? Amen. I have uh, another scripture I want to read to you. In the book of Luke, chapter 8, verse 43. And a woman was there who had a, an issue of bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Verse 45, Jesus who touched me? Jesus asked. And when all they denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Somebody touch me. I know that power has gone out from me. Verse 47. Then the woman, seeing that she had been, could not go under notice, but came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how that she had been instantly healed. And she said to her, and he said to her, Daughter, thou faith has healed you. Go in peace. How far will you go? She tried everything for over 12 years. She gave everything that she had for over 12 years for all kinds of trying to cure her, trying to bring healing upon her, and nothing worked. But her faith, her faith stood out and said, reach out and touch him. That's all she wanted to do is reach. And the crowd was so heavy. The crowd was so heavy. But yet she managed to work her way through that crowd just to touch his garment. And the moment she touched that garment, she was healed. But Jesus said, somebody touch him. How many of you are reaching out and trying to touch the garment of the Lord? How many of you are wanting healing and deliverance today in your life? How many of you are facing turmoil in your life? How many of you are facing struggles and circumstances in your life? But are you 